happy campers. Oh. Spike here. Chris. Chris there. We are geeking out. And we are recording on Sunday, February 6, 2022. And we got stuff. We do have a few things to talk about. It's been kind of, a little bit slow in pop culture stuff this week. But we do need to talk about Boba Fett. Okay. Boba Fett. <sighs> Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Now, I have been hearing stuff going on for the last six weeks, and I think they're on episode six, right? Yes. That's the last one. Okay. For the last six weeks, I have been hearing nothing but, well, let's say for the first four weeks this show was out on Disney+, Plus. I've heard nothing but trash talk about how boring it is. It's basically garbage, unless you're a Boba Fett fan. Now, if you're a fet fetishist, then you would like the book of Boba Fett. Right? I didn't think it was that bad. I, it was slow. Yes. But it was the, still interesting. Eh. And then we get to episode five, and it turns into the new Baby Yoda show, and all of a sudden, a real Mandalorian shows up. So Yeah, I got to admit, it's kind of weird that it went from being the Boba Fett show to the Mandalorian, Mandalorian. Part two, two and a half, yeah. And I'm like, why did they have these two episodes for the Mandalorian series instead? But yeah. Well, I've got some thoughts. That's why I was saying we need to talk about Boba. Uh, I I have my idea about what's going on. Chris, you tell me. The first, You're defending the first four episodes. You said it was interesting. You tell, you tell them at home what in the world made it interesting. I mean, it's basically just tells a story about, like, you know, how he survived the whatever pit and where he's been for the last, how many years was it? Five years since between. Mm -hmm. He spent, like, in the desert with the, what was one of the people for, like, five years or something like that for the Empire, like, you know. Yeah. Something like it. I don't know. But anyway, it was just, a, it was a slow story about, you know, there was really, like, hardly any dialogue in every episode. Now, I gotta admit, I, I did try to sit down and watch Boba Fett, mainly because the last two episodes, I wanted to see what was going on, episodes five and six, have been released as we're talking about this. But, uh... Spoilers ahead, just there, in case. There are plenty of spoilers ahead, yeah. you If you haven't seen the show, if you haven't seen the show, you're probably not going to see the show. You might want to see the show after you hear the spoilers, because that's what I did. I couldn't have cared less until I heard the spoilers about what's going on, that Mando's there, Baby Yoda's there, Luke Skywalker's there, young Skywalker, the good Luke Skywalker, the one with the gloved hand acting like a the guy Michael Jackson wanted to be. But anyway... Including dancing all over, <laughs> all over his planet, apparently. So anyway, I tried to watch the first four episodes. I cannot, for the life of me, slog through it. Because I think, I think what's happened here, and this is common, especially in pop culture with long-term franchises. Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Doctor Who, all of them you wind up getting to the point where you stop getting storytellers telling stories and you stop getting the storytellers and you start getting the true believers. You get 
you get you go from having nerds to having geeks. Does that make any sense? I mean, yeah. or or even going from geeks to nerds, one or the other. What I'm saying is that the people who wound up in charge, and Star Trek still struggles with this, Doctor Who's struggling with it right now, Star Wars has been struggling with it for a while. You get the guys in there who, war who just, they've memorized every movie. They've memorized every show. They know all the details. They've read the books. They've read the original novels. They've done this. They've done that. They've got all this idea about what, what belongs and what doesn't. They have their own idea of what is Star Wars. These are the guys who would not only come to a Dungeons and Dragons party with their own D20, <laughs> not just their own D20, and you nerds what I'm talking what I'm talking about, 20-sided die. They would have their complete dice set and it would be loaded. They would bring loaded dice to a D&D &D set game so that they could get the rolls they wanted. That's who we're talking about. The ones who don't understand the spark of creativity. All these are the guys who come in with scientific calculators in order to cal calculate what what happens next. A scientific calculator is not a good storyteller. John Favreau and Dave Filoni are good storytellers. I'm just going to call them F and F from now on, because if we can have M and M, we can have F and F. Because for the life of me, I can not remember their names half the time anyway. But anyway, F and F, and I've already forgotten their names. But anyway, F and F, <laughs> they they actually do believe in telling good stories. They don't always do a good job. I think what happened in the first four. We've got to reestablish, now get me wrong, because like I said, I didn't watch all four episodes. So correct me if I'm wrong. Boba Fett comes back from the Sarlacc pit, right? The, the big thing full, looked like a giant lamprey, basically, that was trying to eat him in the desert. Comes back, kicks the butt of uh, Boba Fett's, uh, not Boba Fett's, Jabba the Hutt's surviving criminal organization and takes over, right? Yep. Okay, I think the point they're trying to make here is, one, we're talking about Boba Fett. Okay, yeah. Everybody thinks Boba Fett is this mimetic, bad, bad butt guy. He's a badass, all right? He, he's supposed to go in, he's supposed to kick all the butt, he's supposed to take all the names he leaves, right? He, for all, for as many fans as Boba Fett has, he's still a villain. If he wasn't a villain, he wouldn't have, let's say, put uh, put Harrison Ford to a block of carbamite back in Empire Strikes Back, right? I mean, yeah, I guess you can say that. Okay, that, so he's a villain. He's also just doing his job. He's a villain. <laughs> he's a villain doing his job, yeah. But he's a villain, and in the book of Boba Fett, he does the worst Thing any villain can do. Do you know what that is, Chris? Think this through. You've we've talked about things storytelling for three guy. years. No, that's the second worst thing a villain can do. Okay, and you <laughs> can, that can actually work out because the Punisher was a villain when he started. If, for all that's worth any more with his little uh, with his new little outfit and stuff. Well, I mean, but anyway, I thought he was the same thing. Now, the worst thing a villain can do in any story 
is win. Oh. The worst thing you can do. Boba Fett takes over Jabba the Hutt's criminal organization, okay? He's, he's, he's essentially won. Now what's he going to do? Now he's bogged down with administration. Now, instead of action, which is what every Star Wars fan actually wants, they want to see Boba Fett with the jetpack going around shooting Jedi in the face. That's what they want to see. What they're getting is Boba Fett having to sit there and talk and talk and talk. And he's having to, you've got all these things going on behind the scenes. You've got intrigue. You got, you've got administration. Okay, that's what this is. Boba Fett is now the chief administrator of Jabba the Hutt, Inc. And now, and I'm sorry, I don't care unless you are absolutely the most hardcore Star Wars nerd on the planet, nobody cares about the administration of, of the, the Empire, of the Republic, or of criminal organizations. Nobody wants to go through and actually open the financial books and analyze them. That's what the Book of Boba Fett did for four episodes, basically. Like I said, I did not watch all four episodes or even most of any of the episodes. That was the idea I was getting off of. it. Nobody wants to see bureaucrats being bureaucrats. Nobody wants to see that stuff. We all see it, okay? We don't want to see it. It's what happened with Star Trek. It was the greatest weakness of the next generation and what killed the first couple of seasons. Everybody talked. They talked instead of showing. Okay? Show, don't tell. Don't tell me that there was this huge, fantastic battle off screen. Show it to me. That's the difference between Boba Fett right now and the Mandalorian. Mando goes out there, kicks butt. He's not that good at it. Understand, he is nowhere near Boba Fett's level. Mandalorian, Mando himself, the Mandalorian, the one that casual Star Wars fans will actually identify as the Mandalorian over Boba Fett himself. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Baby Yoda's big brother, that guy, he is not the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. You saw that in the first you saw that in the first season, you saw it again in the second season. He screws up. He doesn't always get it right. He has to get bailed out of the fire once in a while. Boba Fett doesn't need that because he really is that good, supposedly. But seeing Mando get in there and at least try to do something, to go in there to see some action, to see him going around shooting, he's got this uh, assassin droid who's helping being his backup in some cantina somewhere. That's a lot more exciting than seeing somebody going over Jabba the Hutt's books. Okay. It's far more exciting to see Baby Yoda hopping, hopping from little lily pad to lily pad, little stick to stick across a swamp than it is to, to see whatever dissertation there is in some administrative office of the Empire. Nobody cares about that stuff. That's why people are responding to Episodes 5 and 6, especially Episode 6. This is what people wanted from Star Wars all along, okay? People took the prequels, accepted the... To this day, people accept the prequels a lot better than the sequels, okay? The prequels sucked, okay? The prequels were administration, 
with long bouts of administration with an occasional bout of action. Those occasional bouts of action were enough to get people to stick around through the first three prequels. Okay. These sequels, on the other hand, they sit there and trash everything. They, they've come up with all their own ideas. That's a whole other kettle of fish. That's not what's, that's not what's happening with Boba Fett. Although I have heard an interesting theory we need to talk about, too, regarding Grogu's decision. That's Baby Yoda, by the way. I think I know what his decision is, too. But mm, we'll before see. we get to that. Before yeah, we get uh, to it's, that. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I, the only reason why like I'm, I've stuck this long, because the people who's behind it, and I feel like even though this was a slow pace that it will eventually get somewhere good, you know? You have faith in your storytellers. Yeah. And this is what, this is something very important, okay? This is becoming a lost art, having having faith in your storytellers, okay? Yes. Let's think back to some of the great geek shows of the last 20 years. Let's go back to Lost. Remember how we used to have faith in the creators in, in the first season of Lost? We're like, whoa, this is so awesome. And season two, wow, this is even better. And then season three, what the heck happened? And then season four, it just started creep, just decayed and went straight into the ditch. And then before that, Heroes. Oh, Heroes. Season one of Heroes was the most awesome, limited, it was the most awesome show on television. And then season two. Okay. Save, save the cheerleader, save the world. Yes. An awesome idea. And then... They did the worst thing they could possibly do as a storyteller. They gave it an ending. They ended it, and it wasn't really that open-ended. They did, there wasn't enough ongoing subplots to carry over to a season two. We had to lose, We lost faith in our creators on those and the storytellers. So, what's happened now with a lot of these shows is you've got you don't have storytellers telling these stories. Okay, it's the difference between the prequels. And the sequels of Star Wars. Who produced the prequels? Oh, Those, George. George Lucas. Yeah. George Lucas is a storyteller. Okay? Yeah. He's Look, definitely a storyteller. Not a... <laughs> there, there, I'm going to get off track here for just a second. Uh, remind me about the, the guy coming in out of the desert in episode six. Okay? Wow. Oh, I can't yeah. think of his name right now. Lord Bane. Okay. Let's go back to what I was talking about. The, the prequels were produced by George Lucas, who produced the three sequels. Yeah. It wasn't George Lucas. That was, was Kathleen Kennedy, wasn't it? The, oh, she was, the, last, she, oh, the, yeah. the last three sequels? Okay. You've gone from having storytellers to having film school graduates. And I'm not... And I'm not necessarily going to criticize film schools, okay? Film schools teach you, I was going to say appreciate. They don't teach you to appreciate anything. They teach you what the facts are. That's what schools do. They teach you the yeah. facts. They give you the experience in using those facts and applying them in a day-to-day -day situation. A school cannot teach you how to tell a story. They can teach you how to use a pen and a piece of paper to write down words. They might even teach you the words. They might even teach you the rules of grammar so you can make a cohesive statement. But they cannot teach you how to create interesting characters. 
no matter how, who teaches this school, no matter how good they are, the LA, the school, the film school at UCLA is considered one of the top film schools on the planet. Okay, Their film preservation department alone is worth whatever it takes to keep UCLA open. Okay, Because it's given us so many great restored films and stuff over the, the years. But the UCLA Film School cannot teach you how to tell a good story. They can show you what good stories are, what they think good stories are. But these guys who are coming out of these film schools believe that all you got to do is give a character a name, come up with just... And this is the problem with woke culture. Figure out what your, identif what your identifiable features of these characters are, and that's what they are. Okay? Let's look at... Oh, let's pick anybody from Star Wars. Let's look at Kylo Ren. Okay? He's the bad guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Ben Solo or whatever his name was. That guy. That guy. The guy... Not everybody hate. Everybody didn't hate him quite as bad as they hated the chick. What was the chick's name? Ray. Ray. I'm so disgusted with Star Wars. I can't. I'm blotting out her name. Right. Like the okay. thing is that Ray was was actually. They were both good. It's just when they started to pair them up, when they had no chemistry at all to yes. like do that with. Right. That's because when everything was like. They were, they were at, both characters were at best two-dimensional and at worst one-dimensional characters. That Ray was Mary Sue, the Star Wars edition, okay? And we've discussed Mary Sue's before. She can do no wrong. She's awesome. And always and all days. Kylo Ren for, Kylo Ren had the ability, the, the potential to be an interesting character. But you need a villain. He needs to be identified with something. So let's make him... Well, he's Han Solo's kid. Have him kill Harrison Ford. Have him that kill Harrison it. Ford. Hey, <laughs> daddy issues. We learned in film school that daddy issues make great cinema. So we're going to plug a daddy issue in here. He'll be Han Solo's kid and he'll kill Han Solo. And by golly, that'll, make, that'll put us in legends, legendary status, right? Okay. That's the kind of thinking that leads to the crap we have seen, a lot of the Star Wars crap, except for the Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. We Right now we are looking at stories coming in that Disney+, Plus is going to try to bring back Kathleen Kennedy's The High Republic, but it's going to be a kid's show. Why would you have been... Now, again, on this show... On this show, supposedly it'll be a CGI cartoon. On this show... On the shut up on this show, <laughs> on this show and on the tour of duty, we've we've discussed several times. Why are these people so determined to abuse children? And and, and it's not even a joke. Here it's a little more of a joke because we're going to put the High Republic for kids. Peep everybody, and I mean everybody that I have seen on both sides of the political aisle who have seen any uh, any of the. Bible or any of the characters or any of the storylines being set up for the High Republic says this is a disaster waiting to happen. All it needs is an outlet and it will sink Star Wars. 
Now, with The Mandalorian, I don't think you can sink Star, sink Star Wars as easily now as you could have because people believe there is one storyline that's worth saving. We've got another one that shows that, uh, well, that's the main thing over at Star Wars is that the, the High Republic is going to be a kid's show. Don't forget Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's supposed to be there. What about Obi-Wan? Okay. Can... Think about this. If it de we have to wait and see what happens with Obi-Wan, okay? Because for all the people who lost hope, ironically, with Star Wars over these over these last few movies, these last few stories and stuff, there is hope again. It only takes one good story to turn things around. There are people who now believe in Star Wars again. Compare and contrast Star Wars with Star Trek. Okay, as of what was it three years ago before the Mandalorian one came out, everybody was pretty much figuring. Yeah. Everybody was pretty much figuring Star Trek and Star Wars were dead. Nobody, it was they were both just woke dumpster fires. It was all about identity politics. It was all about preaching to your audience and blah 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 blah. It's all fan service. It's all. It's all fan fiction, basically, is what it is. It was glorified fanfics, is what they were. Now, compare and contrast, we've got season four of, I don't know why, Star Trek Discovery about to come out. And we've got, all over on the Trek side, and we've got a season two of Star Trek Picard is about to hit, which... Pretty much, I hear zero buzz for either one. Even the people who hate these shows refuse to talk about them anymore. I'm seeing no buzz at all for either of these shows. Star Wars, The Mandalorian, shows up in Episode 5 of The Book of Boba Fett, and everybody's like, wait, what? Because I heard the exact same things in the first four episodes. Everybody's like, what is going on here? This is Filoni, this is uh, Favreau. These are the guys who are good at storytelling on the over on The Mandalorian. Why are they blowing it so bad on Boba Fett? Why is this so boring? Why isn't there more action? Why isn't things actually happening over there? This is the, this is the second hand I'm hearing. Okay, I have been look. You can be tricked into sucking on a car's tailpipe only <laughs> once before you learn that sucker is hot. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to put my lips on the tailpipe anymore unless somebody says, you know what? There's prime ganja in that <laughs> in that tailpipe. Okay. <coughs> so, so if if I'm going to sit there and put my lips on the hot tailpipe again, you're going to have to sit here and you're going to have to just. I'm going to have to find out there's a reason to do it. Okay. Boy, that's well, not. See, I, I mean, it's like every time I like somebody asks me about the book of Boba Fett, I'm just like it's slow. But I, I again, like I do have a total respect for the people who's doing the show that I'm just like it's going to go somewhere and it's like so far they're all teaming up to battle something bigger and I got a feeling due to the fact that the history of Star Wars was based off of old uh, Japanese uh, sp spaghetti westerns and stuff like that this is basically going to end up like the Magnificent Seven Yes. Or The Last Samurai. 
That's that's what I was wanting to talk about. Okay, so we've we're on this desert planet, episodes five and six. Okay, we're on this desert planet, especially episode six. You've got the marshal there. You've got a marshal for God's sake. He's called a marshal. Yeah. And you've got Mando shows up, the Mandalorian, and he's asking for help and stuff. And he's this marshal's like, well, I don't know. He used to be a Mandalorian, I guess. And he's like, I don't know. I'll talk to him and see. So he leaves, and then here comes, what's his face? Whatever Greeny is, Kate something or. I can't think of what his name is. I don't know Star Wars that well. I haven't been keeping up with all the. He is. He really is the biggest, baddest bounty hunter in the universe, apparently, or at least in the galaxy. He shows up like he's Clint Eastwood walking out of a spaghetti western, far off in the distance. Looks amazing. Looks <laughs> looks spectacular. The effects here on episode six, and we do need to sit down and start discussing deep fake because it's going to be a real thing coming from this point forward. Because. Dude. The yes. other, the flip side of episode six here is the that we are seeing deep fake taken to the nth level here, and I can't remember the guy's name. He used to be a deep faker over on YouTube, one of the most legendary ones. Yeah, he's uh, the he's the guy producing the deep fake of Luke yeah, Skywalker. See, uh, they did this thing where, uh, see, I mean, Luke showed up at the very end of the Mandalorian to take Groku. And I was just like, wow. everybody I lost was, their minds when they yeah, first saw that. Yeah, but I was, I could not get into the face of Luke because I was just like, oh man, that kind of looks bad. I, I expected that. That was that uncanny you know? valley that they've tripped on. And then yeah. with this one, they did such a good job. And I remember, like beforehand, uh, the corridor crew decided to redo that scene but do it better with the yes. facial thing, mm-hmm. and they did it, and it just looked better and. All that stuff. So now here we are with this, and I'm just like, okay, okay. You know, I was like, this is way better, way, 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 way better. Now I'm gonna, I'm, I'm hearing reports, and I'll go ahead and go on the limb. I'll bet you money. I'll, it won't be much, maybe five bucks, but I'll bet you five bucks Han Solo shows up before this is over, before the book of Boba Fett is over, because <laughs> Han Solo and Boba Fett are so identified with each other. Can I say something here? Yeah. Speaking of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. After watching The Mandalorian and this, and I do believe Obi-Wan is also going to be good, instead of having the Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. it should have been a series. Yeah. They should have waited and had it as a series. Right. Because the movie alone, I thought, actually sucked. It did. <laughs> yes. It just sucked. But... I, I think it would have done very well as a TV series. Putting, uh, oh, I'm trying to think what I was going to say. We were, we were talking about Han Solo. Now, this would be the younger Han Solo, okay? Not not grizzled old Harrison Ford, I don't want to be here, Han Solo, <laughs> from the sequels. This would be Han Solo after Re- Return of the Jedi. Right. This is what the sequels... This is what people wanted in the sequels. They wanted to continue seeing their favorite characters. This, and, of course, at the time they produced the sequels, this technology was not there. The technology is starting to arrive now. 
With episode six, The Mandalorian is going to go down in film history. This is where the uncanny valley was finally breached. Okay, because I'm sitting there and I'm watching this intensely because I've been have been using computers since roughly 1983. And I've done digital manipulations. I've done all kinds of digital work and stuff. I'm not the best at it, I'll admit, but but I've, I'm fair to middling. But I can I can look and I can tell, especially in high definition, you can start seeing just, is there something off? It just takes the shading being a little bit off, yeah. and it wrecks the illusion. It could be, it can just be a little glitch somewhere that just lasts like one-thirtieth of a second, but it's enough to throw you off. I didn't see that here. Yeah. They, they finally breached the Uncanny Valley... They're over the Uncanny Valley. They're on the other side. We now have artificial actors. And I'm not saying that... <laughs> I'm saying... I'm not saying that we don't... We haven't had interesting CGI characters before. This is CGI that actually returns back to a reality level of, uh, of presentation. So... Uh, I didn't want to get too sidetracked by that. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on the CGI or the Uncanny I, I, Valley before? I we just continue? want to point out if you do love the CGI, you need to check out the Corridor Crew. They're on YouTube. They are a special effects company and they do that stuff. And they talk about what you just talked about mm -hmm. and how it's so easy to, like, you know, the, the way the light shines over here, but it's over here and, yes. you know, all that stuff. And there's some great videos. Check out George Lucas discussing Star Wars with Harrison Ford. It's all deep fake, but it is hilarious. You will love it. So, the, yeah. so that's just to show the, the precedence there. And like I said, episode six is going to go down because this has been the most extensive use of deep fake I've seen yet. I'm not yeah. saying it was the first long-term deep fake because... There have been longer instances on uh, on YouTube. But getting back to the point I was on, we're talking about the difference between a film school student and a storyteller. A film school student is looking at CGI and is like, how how good can I get the resolution? Yeah. How do I match the, the lighting? How do I match the color? They're looking at the technical aspects of it. And you get lousy storytelling that way. A storyteller is going to take that and he's going to use that as a tool. He'll expect the geeks and the nerds to be able to hash it out. He's got faith in them to know what they're doing with the paintbrush, whether it's digital or not. He is, a real storyteller is looking at inspiration. He's looking at past experience. He's drawing upon that to tell the, the story he's telling today. Episode 6 here, we were talking about, we got Clint Eastwood walking out of the desert, and it's actually What's-His-Face, the, the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy, or whatever. That guy, Cade Bain, or whatever his name is. That guy is walking out. He's even got the Clint Eastwood hat, for God's sake. The black one with the wide brim. Actually, that was the Lee Van Cleef hat. But, anyway. <laughs> so he comes out of the desert, and he's looking like that. They're... It's not just Filoni and Favreau making a reference to something that influenced them in the past, the Spaghetti Westerns, Sergio Leone and that crew. They're actually going back 
to George Lucas was inspired by that. That's why Luke Skywalker's story started on a desert planet. It was inspiration from those spaghetti. George Lucas was inspired by those spaghetti westerns. Sure. Remember, he started in the early 70s with like THX 1138. He did American Graffiti. He did some other stuff before he did Star Wars. Of course, after he did Star Wars, yeah. that and Indiana Jones took up most of his time. But they were actually calling back to George Lucas's influences, which goes back to the very, very core of Star Wars. So what they're doing is they've taken Star Wars and they're bringing it right back to where it began, to the core influences, and they're making callbacks that far. That indicates to the Star Wars fans, yeah. we know what we're talking about. We know this as well as you do. We are telling a story not just for you, but we're telling a story for your girlfriend. Because you fell in love with the Mandalorian, your girlfriend fell in love with Baby Yoda. So now we got both of you wanting to... She now wants to that's see true, this with true. you. She, your girlfriend now wants to see this with you. You're welcome. Now you get to watch all the Star Wars you want. Your girlfriend wants to see it too because Baby Yoda's there. You're welcome. That's good storytelling that's knowing your audience. Okay? Speaking of uh, good storytelling, you should also look at uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who is Ron Howard's daughter, who is also behind The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett who she talked about how her dad used to take her to the movies and talked about the stories and the behind the stuff like that and how it influenced her. I never thought an, uh, an actress like her would be able to tell good stories as well because she, I believe, wrote and directed the last one of the, either episode five or six, I think, or something like that. Mm. So, More power to her if she did. It's like... Yeah, I love the power behind these shows. Like you got those three TQYTV. That's that's, that's what you can't teach. You cannot teach the passion. You have to be passionate to tell exactly. a good story. You got to like, have a passion for it. You, you can have all the you can have frames per second. You can have the frame rate set. You can come up with your resolutions. You can do this. You can do that. You can adjust the lighting. You can do all these other things. You get the coloring just right. If you don't have the passion. It's a freaking Super Bowl ad, is yeah. all it is. Okay? But I got one more thing I want to talk about before we go, and that's the very end of, the, of this episode. Well, pretty much the end of this episode. Okay, so you got Luke Skywalker. Deep fake Luke Skywalker, which I am just convinced is Luke Skywalker. Okay, I'm, I've given up. I'm not going to sit there and keep looking for deep fakery anymore. <laughs> I'm just... Okay, this is Luke Skywalker. I accept that. The Mando, the Mandalorian, has come back to to this place. He wants to see Grogu, Baby Yoda, yeah. and basically just give him a pat on the head or something, let him know he's still thinking about it. But he's got a little tiny chain mail shirt for for <laughs> Baby Yoda, okay? Because as he basically he wants to, he thinks that Baby Yoda is basically a an honorary Mandalorian, so. He deserved, this is a part of the Mandalorian outfit. And so Luke sits down with him, basically. Oh, and we got, uh, watch her face back. Ahsoka. Yeah, she, Asuka, whatever her name is. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? I can't remember how you pronounce it. So Oscar Madison's there, and she, she runs interference. She, ta she takes the little package, gives it to Luke. Luke, gives, Luke presents it to Grogu and says, look, you've got a choice. Your, your buddy Mando came in. He brought you this little tiny chainmail outfit. 
Okay, you can wear this, and you can be a Mandalorian, and you can go that way and be with the the people that you like. Or, and then he picks up Yoda, the Yoda, that Yoda, yes, Big Papa Yoda's lightsaber, turns it on. Of course, you can see the lights just dancing around, and you can see it. Er you can actually see it earlier in the episode because one of the things that Luke does is he's training with his, he's doing warm up exercises with his lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And you get a close-up of Grogu, and you can see the lightsabers flashing in his eyes. That was awesome storytelling. That is really nice, because that's something you can only do visually. It's really hard that's to true, do with, in, in any other way. So that's taking advantage of your medium. So he's, because the eyes are the windows to the soul, so Luke is already trying to reach him with, look how awesome this is. This is and it was, that was Yoda's lightsaber if I if I recall that wasn't Luke's because Luke isn't green is he yeah, no that was Yoda's that was Yoda's so already he's showing him the Yoda's lightsaber and stuff and so at the very end he gives Grogu a choice you can be a Mandalorian or you can be my first student so that's the setup and now everybody's like what's the decision going oh, I already be? know you already have an idea I already do because if you look at uh, episode 5, when he built his new ship, he took out the android in the back, and it only had that little glass. Uh -huh. Who's going to be sitting in that seat? <laughs> right? Come on. It's going to be... That's <laughs> the idea. He's going to go with the Mandalorian. That's the idea. Yeah, I just, I know. And you already see Yoda's coming along pretty... Or Baby Yoda's coming along pretty quick already. But this is the same decision Luke had to make. No. Luke made his decision, and it cost him his hand. Yeah. So. But see, the thing is, is that I believe that because, you know, throughout Mandalorian uh, episodes, you already saw Grogu kind of like using his powers to protect people he loved and all that stuff. He can do it. Without really having training. Yeah. So I feel like if he goes with Mandalorian, <laughs> he can still do Well, the thing is, if, stuff. if he he can still do it, he'd still be really powerful in the Force because we've seen that Groku is really, really powerful. Yeah. You see how quickly he catches on in this episode. Oh, yeah. by, the, by the end of the episode, he's, he's already doing backflips and half, half springboards and stuff and but in uh, the the scene with the frogs was yeah. cute. Just watching <laughs> Luke trying to get that little extra extra little kick in. But uh, but the thing is, and this is what people are speculating: the decision that Grogu makes first of all, if he goes for if he goes for the uh, the lightsaber, he'll be trained as a Jedi. But he has to. He doesn't know when he'll get to see the Mandalorian yeah. or any. Anybody else because he, he ages differently. Because he ages differently. Because Yodas tend to live a thousand years or yeah. so. Mando's going to get old and turn to dust long before Yoda qualifies for Social Security. The other thing is, what if Grogu rejects the Jedi and decides to take the Mandalorian chain armor? Now, Grogu is supposed to be Luke's first student. He's building that school for that student. And the a student that powerful would be a the thing is would help reestablish a Jedi Academy. 
that's something else because you, that you brought that up. It reminded me because I'm pretty sure it said somewhere a long time ago, either in one of the movies or maybe one of the books, he talked about his first student and it was not Grogu. Uh-uh. It was somebody else. So that's the other thing. If, so, if Grogu goes with, and this is pure speculation, but if Grogu goes with the Mandalorian, okay, he's... He's not going to be Luke's first student, and Luke's going to go in a different direction because yeah. having Grogu there, who is that powerful with the Force, backing up Luke in his plays would be, if Grogu chooses the Jedi, what would be the different outcome for the Jedi school? Because with somebody like Grogu there, basically his first student, his first protege, taking Luke becomes Yoda and Yoda becomes Luke, and then you've got these two powerful forces who are helping to control the movement of the Jedi, which the sequel movies apparently did not have. Because That's as you because pointed out, his first student was not Grogu. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren was his first student. Who also destroyed the school and everything else. Right. So, so. if Grogu chooses the, the lightsaber and joins the Jedi, all of a sudden the sequel movies don't count anymore. And all of a sudden, we have a new storyline running from the prequels to the Star Wars oh, trilogy. So you think... And all, and so Kylo Ren and Rey and all the rest of that stuff gets put off into the Elseworlds might have been alternate universe timelines or something. And the, and the hardcore, this is what I'm hearing online, the, hard, the, the real timeline, quote-unquote, Starts running through the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, and the Disney Plus series. And an upcoming Obi-Wan series. Wouldn't that be hilarious? I, I mean, I get that most of the fans wants to see the ending to be erased. I totally <laughs> see that. There is a hardcore contingent. Yes. But honestly, I hope they don't do that. And the reason why is because I've seen them do this to movies before, and it just, one, it gets really confusing because you know that those movies still exist. Mm -hmm. But to change the whole outlook also kind of ruins, I don't know, it just ruins it for me. Yeah. I'll say this. We'll, we'll get ready to wrap this up because we're already 40 minutes into this. But this wasn't supposed to go. <laughs> we, we got really, into we, it. We're, very we're, we're geeking out, yes. I'll say this. When did, the, when did the last real Terminator film come out? What was the last real Terminator film? There's the answer to me. See, I have an answer. See, that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. See, the last one that came out, which was like, I think... Two years ago, or uh -huh. something like that, erased from like it was technically the third film. Yeah. So they erased all the others before that. Halloween did it. Uh huh. Uh, there was something else that did it, but it was just like, stop doing that. You know, it's just like if if you take responsibility for your crap. <laughs> it's like take responsibility for your craft is the thing that's the point I've been making all along if you're being an effective storyteller you're not putting out as much you're, yeah you're putting out crap every once in a while because everybody has an off day but, but you won't put out so much crap 
For me, I am like most casual Terminator fans. There's Terminator and Terminator 2, and that's it. Yeah. Everything else after that was crap. I ignore it. I don't know it. I don't care. Yeah. Because there's Terminator and there's Terminator 2. Because after a while, they do end up becoming nothing but crap. Right. But you just keep on going. And and I would be happy if they just made, you know, if they just took Mandalorian and, and, and uh, uh, Obi, they just, like, kept going with those and not even mention Skywalker or Darth Vader or any of those again. Because I would like to see these adventures. And that's something about Star Wars, to me, that I always had a problem with, was like, why is it always the Skywalkers? Why because does everybody who knows how to do the Force has to be related to the Skywalkers? It's here's like the, it's just, here's the thing. The Skywalkers, well, George Lucas came out with this idea that uh, Force sensitivity was genetic somehow, but with the whole mitochloridian thing, and everybody promptly dumped on it, and he was like, ah, never mind. Here's the other thing, too. This is the real reason. Skywalkers are safe. That's safe territory. That gives you something to build on, okay? The problem is they never quite get away from it, okay? Exactly. Look at what happened. Mm. Oh, goodness. Look at what happened with Star Trek, okay? You had the Star Trek, the original series, okay? For most casual Star Trek fans, there are two seasons, there's actually three. That third season, pretty much everybody's like, Ugh. that's the one with Spock's brain and Abraham, Space Abraham Lincoln and stuff like that, okay? They were really not trying in season three. They didn't think they'd have a season three is what it was. But anyway, after that, the fans embraced the good stuff. So they embraced all the good episodes. They did the animated series in like 1971, 72, something like that. There's like one episode that came out of that. Now that entire series it only lasted one season, I think. There's one season where one one episode where Spock meets himself as a kid. He become he pretends he's like an older cousin or something who's visiting, and you get to see what Spock had to go through as a kid in this crappy little filmation cartoon. <laughs> but that is now canon in Star Trek. Everybody knows what happened to. Spock is a kid now because of that show. Yeah. That was the only episode they stick. Fans will pick and choose the stuff that they like and they will make it fit. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen with Star Wars. Even if they don't officially erase the sequels, erase, just ignoring it is essentially the same thing. We don't talk about that. Just like Ghostbusters, as much as I love Ghostbusters... As much as I like Ghostbusters 2, as much as I adore Ghostbusters Afterlife, 2016 didn't happen, okay? Yeah. I mean, and as simple as that. Answer the like, call I hung up on, okay? Yeah. So, it's... I mean, it's... I mean, like, I would be just perfectly fine just seeing a whole new group of people just doing their own thing that exists in the same world. Maybe a new Jedi or something. But... He's not kin, or they don't even mention the dark side or nothing. He's just, like, roaming through, doing his own thing, you know, going on adventures. So I'd be all right with that. It's like yeah. I, like the Mandalorian. He can go on forever, and I don't think I'll ever get bored. Well, that's just it. That's what I was saying with Star Trek, okay? You had all these things that came up with Star Trek, and then you did the movies, and the first movie sucked. 
Okay, let's let's be honest. Ex aside, nobody remembers what happened in Star Trek One except for the bald chick. Okay, she was Star Trek One. Star Trek Two, Star Trek Two, everybody fell in love with. That was the Wrath of Khan. That's the one that harkened back to the original show. That was the characters we knew and loved. The Wrath of Khan. And then Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, we got to see Kirstie Alley that much. Uh. And then we did Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, and they come back to the mid '80s. Which I actually and love. every, even people who hate Star Trek <laughs> love Star Trek Four, because just as just to see Spock take out this punk with a this literal punk with an with an obnoxious boombox with a neck pinch, and then turn the volume off. And everybody stands up on the bus and applauds, and everybody in the theaters jump up and cheer and stuff because that's what we wanted to see. <laughs> I got to admit that's one of my favorite ones. And then, and then Star Trek Five, uh, and then it, it just kind of petered off after that. And then we got Star Trek: The Next Generation, which again didn't didn't really catch on. the 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 writers had a hard time figuring out what they were doing until I think it was season three. That's when Riker gets the beard. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a trope now called growing the beard. It starts off weak and then suddenly gets stronger and it's really good. It's called growing the beard. <laughs> Riker grows the beard. Suddenly Star Trek The Next Generation is actually really good. Because now we know, now sure not just do we know what Picard is and Troy and Riker and Data. And When I first saw Data, I was like, hey, isn't that that dude from Night Court? You forgot about that part, didn't you? Hillbilly. He was the hillbilly from Night Court who ran the little uh, concession stand in the court building from West Virginia or Yugoslavia or wherever the where in the world he was actually from. But not only did fans figure out who they were, the more importantly, the writers figured out who they were, and then all of a sudden the stories got better. And then they started they started doing the movies and stuff, and you wound up with people who didn't actually care about these characters as much and weren't as didn't know them quite as well. They wind up writing the movies, and the whole thing goes into the into the drip. But look at uh, look at what's happened since then. Uh, Deep Space Nine. It's it started off struggling. I remember it struggling when it first started off. It grew the beard because. James Avery actually grew a beard and it actually it actually started getting better people started liking DS9 and then there was Voyager which again didn't start off very well but then but over time people have gotten used to it people like Voyager and then uh, I think what really got into like and I don't mean to get off of the whole Star Wars thing <laughs> oh why not Let's, we'll just but blow this off Go I ahead. think one of the fascinating things about Star Trek that I always loved was the fact that they went on adventures in space, explored different planets, there was different species, different obstacles, and it just was like, this is kind of a fun ride. Yes. You know, even if they don't do anything, like even in Star Trek Generations, it's like, even if it was just all in the holodeck, it was still fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... And that's the, that's the important thing. Let's have fun together. We've, we've got an hour here. We technically have 44 minutes to fill. Let's have some fun. Yeah. So yeah I love it. So. Let's go in. Let's have Picard and his crew take on an entire square planet of androids, basically. Robots with a hive mind. And they're going to kick the Enterprise's butt. And they're going to take Picard. And now what are you going to do, boy? 
Well, I'm going to get some beard oil, and I'm going to kick some robot <laughs> butt. So, so I think that, to, to close it up, I think right now Star Wars is actually in a pretty good place. Especially considering oh, yeah. three years ago we were talk we were essentially discussing them with Star Trek. They were both in the dump in the trash heap of sci fi and Doctor Who for that matter. We don't we still don't know if Doctor Who's gonna be able to recover from their dumpster fire. But right. Star Wars shows it can be done. Yeah, because all you that damage that was done can be undone. All it took was just people who were really passionate about it. And then, who would have thought that would work? <laughs> that's the P word, buddy, and that's the word for the day. So, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Any final thoughts about all this talk about Mandalorian and Star Trek? Any last thoughts about the book of Boba Fett, Chris? Just uh, hang in there. I, I do believe that it will get better. It's like this is just this was just like his origin of where he was during the entire time. Now. We are caught up to that, and now it's time to see where he's going to go. How many episodes are in this season, anyway? Six. I mean, total. Is it just going to be six, or is it... Oh, I do not know. If it was me, and I know this will tick a lot of people off, episode seven's coming up. Okay, If, if it was up to me, I wouldn't give an answer to Grogu's decision. I would make you wait a little while just to sweat it. And just get the fans fired up. Okay, which way does he go? See, I don't think Grogu is going to show... I mean, he might. But I don't think he's going to show up to the battle that is going to happen here pretty soon. But he might show up at the end when they're like, okay, we're, we're about to die. And then he shows up and uses powers to like whoop everybody's butt to the point where they're like, what is this? <laughs> Let's go. So, that's... I don't know, but it'll be something. Just hold in there, guys. Just keep a keep a good train of thought in there. <laughs> yeah, the episode 7 release is February 9th, so this will be the last episode this coming Wednesday. So, I would not give an answer on this, but I'd be, and I would love to see the faces on the fans who suddenly care again after swearing they never would. I'm what? You ain't gonna give me what I want right now, though. No. I'm telling you, I do believe he's going to go with the Mandalorian because, again, we go back to when he took the droid out from the back of his new ship. And it's like it has that little glass hump back there. It's like, why would he keep it? He could have filled that in. Mm-hmm. He could have put another droid in there. No, it's because that's where Groku's going to go. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. <laughs> so let's try this again. Any last thoughts on the book of Boba Fett, Chris? Keep watching it. I'm, I'm him. I will sit down and I'll watch episode 7 just to see what. Because the, they're going to have, what, about 50 minutes on this episode to figure out where the, how are they going to wrap this up. I can't wait to see which direction it goes. So... Till next time, I'm Spike. I'm Chris. And we'll keep on geeking out with you. See you down the road, kids. Aww. Aww.